Aloha, beautiful souls. This is Randy, and I want to personally invite you to my free three-day challenge, the Fuck Your Fears Challenge. You know, I remember before I started my coaching business, I had this big dream of creating a massive impact by helping women heal their body image issues and learn to love and accept themselves. But I was stuck in my fear. I had invested over $40,000 in my education. I worked at a job that I was making six figures. And I was so worried that if I went after this dream, I would fail. Like, who am I to chase this dream? What if nobody buys from me? Who's going to want to hire me as a coach? I just had all of these fears that kept me stuck. But at the same time, I had this voice that would not stop coming back up and telling me that this is what I needed to do, that this is what I was called to do. And so I decided to say, fuck my fears. And I went after it anyways. And it was literally the best decision I ever made. And I see this problem all of the time, not just in my own life, but in my clients' lives as well. We are stuck by our fears. And our fears keep us stuck from really going after the things we desire in our lives. But what if it didn't have to be that way? What if there was a way to face your fears so that you could finally achieve the things that you desire in your life and create the impact, influence, and income that you truly desire? Well, that's exactly why I created this free three-day challenge. In this free three-day challenge, you're going to get three days of free coaching from me all about how to identify what your fears are that are keeping you blocked and how you can push past them. So if you're ready to finally go after that big, scary dream, that that dream that makes you kind of want to pee your pants, you know the dream, then sign up for my free three-day challenge. The link is in the show notes, and I can't wait to see you there. Welcome to the Uplifting Podcast. Today, we talk to Tanya Fukuda, who is a financial services professional. We talk about the challenges women specifically face when it comes to their finances. We also talk about the taboos surrounding money and why it is so difficult for us to talk about money to even the people close to us. She gives advice on how to take control of your financial freedom and break through the complacency we face as women. Now let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Uplifting Podcast with your hosts, Randy and Catherine. This is a space for powerful women to share their story and to be real and raw about the truth of living your life's purpose. Any topic is fair game. We check gossip at the door so we can focus on building community and collaboration. This podcast will help you discover your individual power and give you the tools to live your most uplifted life. So let's find out what's uplifting you today. Welcome to the Uplifting Podcast. Today we have Tanya, and Tanya is a financial service professional who is empowering women to be financially free. She also hosts monthly workshops where she provides women with the knowledge to be financially and 
financially savvy and empowered in their own lives. She is also a mother and lives in Honolulu. Welcome, Tanya. Hi. Thank you. It's so good to have you. So we just want to dive right into your story and kind of get an idea about why you got into the financial services field and kind of where your passion for helping women become financially free comes from. Um, I guess I have to start with saying that I was like the average woman, and I hate to make a stereotype, but it's the reality. The type of person who wants to be maybe less than active in her own financial future. And it might have been subconscious, but in my case, there was even some very conscious thoughts of, you know, I could take some of that burden off of me. That would be wonderful. I got married. And I was a higher income earner at the time, and I was a translator. But after I got married, I fully supported my husband's career and ended up, you know, getting pregnant. We were trying. I was, <laughs> um, and I was so happy to not be the primary income earner and to let that go. And with that, also let go the budgeting and the finances. And, you know, the marriage didn't work out. And as I saw things unraveling and was speaking with a financial advisor about how to deal with this, I realized that I had lived in a state of complacency my entire life when it came to money. Um, whether it was complacency to one day the government, one day social security, maybe a boss would give me a raise, but not actually doing things to empower myself and not even understanding how the world of money works. And to think, you know, I'm kind of a control freak when it comes to my body, my health. I would never let someone else pick my food. But to think that on the path that I was going on, I was definitely going to be letting other people pick my food in old age in a nursing home. And that I was letting people make choices for me every day, probably men who control the financial industry. And so as I started to realize this, I was like, I need to get as much knowledge as possible. I need to change this. And my advisor at the time was like, you should get into this line of work. And I was like, never, that's not for me. I could never do that. And um, at one point there was just like a click where I was like, well, I could do it and get all the free education <laughs> and then stop doing it. So I still didn't believe in myself, really. I was just like, I'll get all the education and empower myself. Um, but as I did it and did the training, it's just like the next one, the next one. And I have to make a living. So I had clients. I learned from my clients. And it became the best job I've ever had. It is so fulfilling. Wow. That's so impressive. That's like, and I mean, I know you also talk about this because I've been to your, your coffee talks and all that fun stuff. Um, but the stereotype of women and finances, and especially women in finances, I'm kind of curious what have you faced maybe from your peers or from others when you tell them what you do, like their reaction? What's kind of the general vibe I guess you get from people as a woman in finance? Um, I'd say that the general vibe I get from women like around me is I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, it's either it's too late. I'm leaving it to my husband. I don't have enough money or just like, this doesn't concern me. Like it's, really defenses up and I was that person so I totally get it and what I've found in my work is that my work is so much more about just getting women to care 
than it is to get them on the financial plan. Mm-hmm. Once they care, they're all the women I meet, once they get to that point where they're like, I can have control over this, I want to learn about this, then it's just like amazing. But getting them to that point is really hard. Getting any of my friends even to the point of wanting to talk about it with me is difficult. It's actually easier with strangers. And how do you get your clients or even the people in your lives to have those breakthroughs and to be interested in taking control of their finances? Um, That's pretty much why I started a lot of my, we call them support groups for lack of a better word, Um, but they're coffee talks, workshops. Um, They're not at all seminar oriented or presentations. They're really more discussion forums on subjects related to finance and I try to present it in a way that is not scary where you can talk about it over coffee over a potluck and maybe normalize the conversation and usually you know after a few times of coming a woman starts to open up about her own situation there's always the newer women to come never share as much and at one point there's this click where they're like okay now I'm able to talk Now I'm able to share my experience. And when it comes to money, it's not only one of the most intimate subject matters related to relationships. It can be related to your body, related to your job, related to your family, related to your parents, related to illness. Um, There's a lot of shame attached to it too. Um, Whether it's, I don't have enough or I made huge mistakes or I'm doing great, but my friends aren't. Um, So it's really hard, especially I think among friends to talk about it. Hmm. That's interesting. And is that kind of what motivated you to start the coffee talks is just opening up that conversation for women? I'd say that it's opening up that conversation. Um, The actual trigger to starting was a lot of my older clients. um, And at first, you know, what's interesting is that the people who call me for help are usually older, maybe in their 50s or 60s. And they're in a state where they don't have a choice. They can't be complacent anymore. Either they've lost their husband, they're divorced, they want to retire. And for some of them, it is too late. They're going to have to work. They're going to have to find another solution. And for others, you know, there is money, but they have no idea what to do with it. And it's, you know, now or never because they're getting close to retirement age. Um, So as I saw that, it became urgent to reach out to younger women, the type of women who aren't going to reach out to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And most of these women who were my clients asked me for a forum where they could invite their friends so that we could have an open conversation because they wanted to tell their friends what to do so that they wouldn't end up in their shoes, but they didn't know how to do that because it's such an intimate subject. And also because they didn't have the words. Wow, yeah. And, you know, what are some of the particular barriers that you see for women? Like, why is it so hard for us to talk about it? Or why do we, why are we so complicit in our finances? Like, why does it take kind of those, like, points in our lives where it's almost all or nothing? Like, that... To, to wake up to it. Like, why does it take that for us to like care about finances? Like, especially women, right? Like that's such a, like, particularly for us, it's such a hard issue. 
I think there's a lot of factors involved. There's definitely societal norms. So looking at different age groups, we see different tendencies. I see the millennials being a lot more active because they got to see their moms being, you know, without a pension, without a husband. My generation of, you know, around 40, we're seeing our parents, but a lot of them might still have their husband's pensions. There was a lot less divorce. And so, and in the older generation, they're just taken completely by shock. Um, so we see different things and it's about how we were raised, I think, and what we see on TV. I mean, we rarely see real powerful women on TV and even the movement when it comes to feminism, there was always talk about equal pay. There was always talk about getting you know, better jobs, advancing careers, balancing life and work. But I don't think I ever remember anyone saying, and get a retirement account and start investing in the stock market, be a part of the world as we know it and how it functions. I find that so fascinating. It's like, you don't talk about sex and you don't talk about money, but those are like the two things that kind of control our world, it, which is, it is what it is. Well, you know, that's a whole nother conversation, but <laughs> yeah, I think it's so fascinating that it's so taboo to talk about money, yet you're just supposed to know, like there's no education in our school systems, how to balance your checkbook or your budget, I guess. We don't use checkbooks mm -hmm. anymore. <laughs> balance your budget, um, plan for your retirement, invest, like we're not taught that. So where do you think women can get the resources to find this knowledge now? I think that every woman should seek out a female advisor. Most advisors don't charge for their time, which is something nobody knows. Also, we're like, oh, if I don't have money, I can't talk to a financial advisor. Um, most advisors are commission-based, so they're gonna be paid if you need any of their services. So you can get free advice and you can get you know, a plan made. And as you move forward, you can work with whoever was willing to work with you when you had nothing. That's a great way to figure out if that person really cares or not. Right. Um, I think it's important for women to work with women. So really seeking out a female advisor. And I say that because two reasons. First, like I would never assume that I understand how the male mind works. And investing and finances and even budgeting, it's all emotion based at the end of the day. And I mean, from relationships, I would never claim that any man I ever dated understood me emotionally and I never understood them fully. Do my girlfriends understand me more? Can I relate to women more from an emotional standpoint? For sure. And then there's also a lot of things that are taboo to talk about with, women, with a man, say, or for a man to talk with a woman. And I had that with my financial advisor um, as I was making choices on my life insurance beneficiaries. You know, I made choices that kind of suggested that I was going through marital trouble. And my advisor specifically asked me, you know, are you happy in your marriage? Why are you picking this beneficiary? And I just lied. Like, how am I gonna tell a man you know, who's helping me for free. <laughs> yeah. I'm having trouble in my marriage right now. It's almost like an invitation to maybe get wow. hit on, or it's almost just too vulnerable. There's so many emotions. So I never told him. And when we finally did get divorced, he was like, you should have told me, like, we would have done things differently. We would have gotten more insurance on your ex-husband because once you're divorced, you can't go and get more. Wow. So 
just being able to be honest. So if you can find a man that you feel you can really trust, then a male advisor is just as good as a female advisor, but because it's emotion-based. Mm-hmm. I never would have guessed that, you know, finance is emotion-based because one, probably because it is such a male-dominated logical brain industry, but it's numbers. Mm-hmm. I don't think emotion goes into numbers, but at the end of the day, what are those numbers representing? They're representing your future, your family, your, your well-being, your stability. So, And what do you want to spend those numbers on? And so right. the traditional financial plan is like you need this much insurance because you want to protect your kids, send them to school, pay the rent. You need this much retirement from age whatever, 65 if you decide, till age 100 if you're a woman. And so you can say numbers, but then there's all the other things that come into play. Like even if you had all of your dots in line, what about the fact that your husband will probably pass before you? Are you gonna have to take care of him? Are you gonna have to pull out money to take care of him? Um, How about, are you gonna retire at the same age as your husband? What does that mean? If your husband was 70 and you were 10 years younger, you'd be 60. The average age that a woman becomes a widow is 59. Wow. So taking things like that into consideration, would you take care of your parents? And most of the time, the, the daughter is the one that ends up being in charge of taking care of the parents, and that could drain your retirement account. You know, are you planning to pay for your kid's tuition? Even if it's not in the plan, even if your money doesn't actually align to be able to afford to send your kids on like a trip or to school, you might decide to do that against your advisor's wishes. And so having that emotional based relationship where you trust each other enough to confide and say, hey, I'm taking out money for something that's not in the plan that technically I can't afford. What can we do to at least have less of a negative impact? Wow. So, you know, I mean, I'll be honest, I really don't know much about my finances. Like, I know you said talking to a financial advisor, but is there something that you feel like everybody really needs to have um, in order to feel safe, secure in their finances, like a retirement plan or insurance or like, like if there was one place where somebody could really start like investing their money or trying to be more financially free, like, is there something that you would advise like a good starting point? Well, I don't want to get myself in trouble because there is no absolute answer. Um, but I do believe that life insurance on a male, so on a spouse, on a brother, on a father, on a guy friend even, is the number one most effective way to guarantee that you won't live in poverty in old age. Because wow. women live a really long time. And women are the ones that end up in poverty in their 80s and 90s because money runs out. And even if your brother, your spouse, your dad were to pass really, really late in life at like, say, 90, and you were 85 or 91, it'd be the most important time to actually get some money at that point because everything else is running out by then. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, things I just like never think about because there's no conversation about it. (laughs) That's crazy. But Um, retirement accounts for oneself is also really mm -hmm. important. Um, It can be a great way to grow your money. It's the number one fastest way as far as having compound interest, which means that your money grows on the interest as well. 
Interesting. And so when you're working with your clients and working to get through the root cause of that, that complacency, how do you, how do you dig for that? How do you find, you know, the complacency in women? Like where do you find the root problem for these women? I think everyone has a different story, but I remember one of um, our ladies at one of our gatherings said when she turned 16, she got a blender and her brother got stocks. Huh. So I would say that's like pretty much the root cause right there for all of her decisions until now, just what was expected of you. And it's, you know, it's subconscious, it's subliminal, it's no one actually talked to us about this. I think it's, that's the root cause is our childhood. It's how we were taught. We were taught maybe to balance our books. You know, do we do it? Not all of us do. Um, at the most, that's what we're taught, like how to budget, how to know how much you can spend on groceries, how much you can spend on makeup and clothes. Did anyone ever say like, and how much you can spend on retirement? No one's ever said that to women. I don't think I've ever heard it. Maybe someone said it. I don't want to say no one ever said it. <laughs> no one ever said it to me. And I've yet to meet any woman whose parents or teacher or like clerk at the bank said, hey, are you saving for retirement? Wow. Yeah, I absolutely, I mean, that resonates with me. Has anyone ever asked either of you? Yeah, no. I mean, that totally <laughs> resonates with me because, I mean, I feel like that's why I know nothing about my finances yeah. is because I even look at my parents' relationship and my dad was always the one who was in charge of all of that. And so now I want to be like, mom, like how much money you got on dad's health, like <laughs> life insurance, you know, like I want to make sure that she knows because it's like, I don't even think my own mother knows, you know, mm -hmm. and it's just like, passed down like you said from generation to generation and if we don't change our own money story our own financial iq right like how can we ever move out of this place so i just think what you're doing is so important yeah. because i mean i know in my own life it's an area that you know going into business as an entrepreneur it's something that i want to focus on more and it's now becoming a priority but before that it was like ah eh, i'll deal with it eventually like you know maybe when i get married i'll figure it out like that's a you know, i'm like i don't know if i'm ever maybe when married, i get married so. maybe when i have kids and that's when you're finally going to either be able to let go to yourself yes. or you're going to have way more stuff to think about because you're going to have a kid absolutely right and that's like how I've been it's like oh well if I get married or have a kid I'll figure it out and it's like those things may or may not ever happen and I can't be waiting until that moment to make the change and I think that's what you're really getting at mm -hmm. workshops and with your work is like you can't wait until that crisis in your life mm -hmm. like me <laughs> to figure out your finances yeah mm -hmm. absolutely yeah. and part of where I I get a lot of passion. I get um, pretty militant is when it comes to the equality of women. And there's so much work that we've done to get to the state where we can get jobs, the same jobs as men. However, there's still so much disparity when it comes to the pay and the choice of work that women choose, the value that is given to a woman's work. And then the fact that money is still controlled by men. And I feel like there's two things that men hold over us and have for so long to keep women down is, you know, size, 
So we're always scared because there's always a bigger man out there that can hurt us, but also money because they have more money. If they have the money, they can make the decisions, whether it's our husband or just the guy at work who makes more, who's more valuable to the company. And, you know, with all this stuff that's coming up with the Me Too stuff, I mean, I'd have to admit that even if the person at my work who makes the most money in the company, who's a guy, if he were to be inappropriate, I wouldn't tell on him because he's more valuable to the company than me from a monetary standpoint. And the only way to get to the state where you can talk back and express yourself and you know, defend yourself is to be in a place of power. So how do we get to that power? <laughs> we have to start valuing the work of women. We have to start demanding more money for the work that we do. Wives with children, stay-at-home moms especially, you know, make sure that their husbands are putting money into an IRA for their spouse, a spousal IRA. If we're going to be, you know, talking about the rates of divorce and all of that stuff, we have to think about the fact that if they're putting money away and you're taking time off, that's going to be a huge detriment. Um, there's some statistics like women, well, first of all, I think we all are familiar with the, you know, approximately 80 cents on the dollar for the same job wage gap which is crazy because that's still the exact same job. So like the CEO at McDonald's would make money and then a certain amount and then a woman would come in and she'd still only make 80% of that. And we are in 2018. But on average, women working full time make only 20 cents on the dollar. And wow. people don't talk about that because women are choosing lesser paying jobs, teaching, nursing, caregiving, coaching, therapy. All of these jobs are not valued. However, they're what keeps society going. They're necessary. So part of our feminist agenda needs to not be like, I want to be the same as a man. It's like, I want to be a woman, but I want to get valued for being a woman. Yeah. If maternity leave, like that's so important. Um, one of the other things is women lose. So the women who are making 20 cents on average lose up to 300000 in income in their lifetime for taking time off from their career for caregiving, wow. whether it's the children, their husbands, their parents, whoever. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, what can so we do? Many, I don't know. We have to yeah. educate and talk about it. And be open I mean, there's so many unique problems, it. right, that we're facing. And I think that, like you said, we have to start valuing ourselves. And I think what also resonated with me is just working with other women, like what you mm -hmm. said, like speaking out other women. I think that if this does resonate with our listeners, I think that it's like looking into like, where are you putting your money, right? Mm -hmm. Are you putting your money into other women? Because I think that that's really what's going to build us up. What's really going to change society is like when we start like you said, money's power. So what are we investing our money in? What is it going towards? Um, if we're not putting it towards other women, like, again, it's just going to further that gap. And so I really think that investing other in other women is such a huge thing. So yeah. I totally resonate with that message. I think we have to explore within ourselves too. Sometimes we have subconscious beliefs, you know, possibly the belief, oh, a male advisor would know more. Or mm -hmm. I think 
a male coach would be better. I think a male banker would be better. A male teacher would be able to teach me some, and sometimes our sports. Oh, I need a, and we might not even realize we're making those choices where we're actually just continuing the stereotype. The, that, yeah, that, that limited belief, right? That, that guys deserve, are mm-hmm. more qualified or deserve more or are better at. Like, it, even if it's just, and it, we, and it may not even be conscious within us that we're making those choices. And it, uh, it can come from society, how we were raised, all of these things. I don't think we need to blame ourselves. But also recognizing that I think is super important because that's what is continuing to perpetuate and increase the gap that we have in the workplace between men and women, you know, like if we start saying women are just as valuable and have a unique set of skills that I believe that we can bring, mm-hmm. we need to start investing in them and not just saying, Oh, well, you know, it's okay for, for me to invest in, in working with a man. Not that that they may not have their place, but I personally believe that, us women are what's going to change the world. (laughs) And often it is easier to find a man because there's just more of them who are successful. And so it might take a little bit more effort, but really seeking out a woman in the industry, whatever, you know, professional you're looking for. Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. Any other questions on this topic? No, I mean, I think you talked about just a lot of importance. I mean, even just this whole topic, it's like, finances but it's like what are you putting your money towards yeah. right i mean it's like with anything you vote with your dollars i mean i do know you're vegan as am i which we can talk about another time but that's kind of a big reason why i do it because every time i go and buy something that's buying power that's i'm voting because this is what i purchased and like i said this this country is run by sex and money so if i can use my money to voice my opinion like i'm gonna do that so i think it's important that women understand that our power in the in the regard to finances as well yeah so yeah are there any other questions that you would have liked to have us us to have asked you or any other topics that you wanted to bring up um no i guess the only thing i would like to say is i think a lot of women need to just think about their money story know where all of their money decisions coming from think about the future and just ask one another You know, how do you feel about money? What's your situation? You know, how can we never ask each other how much we make? And just all sorts of things, just kind of bring it up. And even I find it hard. And what's actually the hardest thing is to bring it up with your partner. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it doesn't have to turn into the perfect full-on conversation just to start bringing it up. Hey, do we have a plan? Do we plan to retire at the same time? These are like really small yet really loaded questions, Um, especially when we're, say, dating someone who's a lot older, and that would be something we should take into consideration, Um, talking to partners and family members and parents about insurance, too. It can be really scary. You know, how do you ask your parents, do you have life insurance? Um, But knowing is power, so... Absolutely. Absolutely. So we like to end the podcast with some action steps for our listeners, because, you know, we think that while it's 
great to do things like listening to this podcast. How you're going to change your life is by actually taking action and creating meaningful change right now. So what are three things, three pieces of advice that you could give our listeners to help them live more uplifted right now? Hmm. I think first is to forgive yourself, you know, forgive all of the mistakes or the regrets and put that in the past and look at today as a brand new day. And how do you want to do things differently from today? And the second one would be seek out, you know, some kind of support system. So depending on where you are, you know, maybe what you need is a life coach, maybe what you need is a therapist, maybe what you need is a financial planner, but seek some kind of help because we can't do it alone and seek. And so the third one will be seek help from a woman. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> Hell yeah. I love it. I love it. That's so awesome. And Tanya, how can people connect with you? How can they get your services from a woman? <laughs> and if they're here in Hawaii, we would love to know like when your next um, meetup is yes. and more information, how they can find out about all of those amazing things that you do. Um, I think the best way to find me is probably through Facebook. So I'm on Facebook, Tanya Fukuda. Um, also, I'm an agent at New York Life, so you can go Tanya Fukuda, New York Life, and I'll come up. Um, you can message me on there. Usually, most of the events are posted on there. Impact Hub has some great financial workshops, and I always go to be the person, you know, the resource. It's not a presentation. It's a discussion, but we definitely want the facts to be on point. Um, so I'm kind of there as a fact checker and a host of sorts. Um, and then I also have, you know, women over at my home for coffee and potlucks. Um, so that's a great way to, I don't post those on Facebook. They're very small and intimate. So perhaps the best thing for them to do is to contact you. Wonderful. Awesome. And we'll put your, the links to your Facebook and everything in the show notes so people can connect with you and thank you. Um, learn and, and increase their financial IQ. Yes. Uh, Cause I think that's, that's, that's just so important. Yes. So thank you so much you, for this eye opening interview. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh my God, I got so many things I need to like, <laughs> you know. but thank you so much. This has been so great. Thank you. Thank you too. It was really fun. Thank you so much for sharing a piece of your day with us. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us on. To continue the conversation, follow Catherine and Randy on social media. Our links are listed in the show notes. We can't wait to share another powerful story with you next week. And until then, stay stay uplifted. uplifted.